We have been in a series talking about being all in, and if I haven't met you, I'm, I'm Dave Stone, and CCV is kind enough to let me, thank you, I didn't, didn't know I had relatives here today. Uh, uh, CCV is kind enough to allow me to, to transplant from Kentucky and come out here every, every once in a while, and I, I love every chance that I get. But we've been in this series about getting all in, and we're, we're going to learn today that we're better together than we are alone. And we're going to talk about how we can, we can do that by being in community. Now, in 2013, a new word became a part of our vocabulary. Now, it's interesting that that was only 10 years ago because this particular word is so pervasive and it is such a big part of our world today that we can't even imagine going through an entire day without someone saying it or without us hearing it. I'm talking about the word selfie. <laughs> now, when I grew up, I had never heard the phrase, and obviously, right? Uh, back then, if you would take a picture and then you'd wait for that 24th picture that you would take, and once you got that 24th picture, then you would take your film to a store, and three to five days later, they would give you back your pictures, and two out of every three pictures was blurry, right? And that's just kind of how life went on. But today, we live in a, a selfie world. And we see others do it all the time. In fact, let me, let me take one right now, all right? So, look awake, okay? Hold on. See, I'm a dad, sorry. I'm a granddad. One, two, three. Oh, yeah, you guys look great. You look great in that, all right? Now... You'll be at a restaurant probably later today, and while you're at that restaurant, what always happens? You'll look over, you'll see four college girls, you know. <laughs> you know, they do all these different things. They mess with their hair, you know. They're looking at their hair all the way through. This is what people do who actually have hair, evidently. And they do that all the time, and we participate. We take selfies on a regular basis. Do you know why it's called a selfie? Because no one can spell narcissist. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for that, <laughs> We have a fixation that tends to cause us to look inward rather than outward. But being in a group or on a team with others helps to take that spotlight off of yourself. In fact, you hear us mention about every other week in the sermon, get in a group, get in community. Why would we do that? And so today what I want to do is I want to try to answer that question. Why is it important to be in community with one another? Now I'm going to give you four reasons. Reason number one, in community, you look more like God. Now what do I mean by that? Well, back in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And the phrase, let us in our own is a reference to the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the, the Holy Spirit. It took a community to complete the image because God is a community. And at the core of God's very identity is togetherness and community and connection. And that's why inside each and every one of us, there is this relational DNA, a community gene, an inbred desire to reach out and connect with others. It is instinctive, it is inherent within us. Why? Because we were made in his image. And in Genesis, 
Up until this point in creation, after each thing that God created, he said the same thing. After everything he created, he said, it is good. It is good. It is good. But then he created man, and he said, it is not good. Now, ladies, don't get too excited about this, all right? Because the complete phrase that God said was, it is not good for man to be alone. And that was the first time that God used the words, not good. Now, this had to seem rather confusing. The Garden of Eden was a perfect paradise with a beautiful setting, all the food that he wanted, no house payments. He was CEO over all the animals. Adam had everything he needed. And so close was his relationship with the Almighty God that the Bible says that the Lord would walk through the garden with Adam. Can you imagine that closeness? And yet it's in that setting that God says that it's not good because evidently God noticed that the, there was loneliness in Adam's soul. There was an isolation in his heart. And yet it's in that setting that God says that this isn't good. Why? Because God knows how he created us. And Adam was alone. And remember, he was made in God's image and he was wired for community. And so he wasn't complete until he could be in community with someone else. And so God makes another human being for the sake of community. And it wasn't until the second human being, Eve, was created that God then stepped back and you know what he said this time? He said, it is very good. He said, it's very good. Good is no longer the description. It is improved to very good. And Eve not only addresses Adam's longing for togetherness, but because of her reproductive capabilities, now they can have a family and have another layer of community Children who will provide another level of, of marital togetherness later on in their lives. And when God is saying it is not good for man to be alone, it goes beyond just a, a reference for a spouse and for a marriage. It's not a marital statement as much as it is a relational statement. And I wonder if early on God was just trying to stress the importance of, of being in community. Well, reason number two. In community, you have others who are beside you. You are, you are not alone. When you drive around the interstate here in the Phoenix area, you are rewarded if you are in community and not alone. We call it the HOV lane, right? You are rewarded out of appreciation because you are reducing energy consumption. You are reducing pollution. And the state of Arizona rewards those who choose to carpool. And there's a benefit and a reward for being in community. And the same happens when Christians are in community. There's a, a benefit to the larger community because of the life experiences that, that you have. There's different things that you've been through that, that you can pour into someone else and help them. Not too long ago in, in the group that meets at our home, a couple who is a bit newer to the group they, they opened up toward the end of the evening with everyone there and they just kind of shared with our group their ongoing struggle to be able to carry a baby to full term. And when things ended that night, I saw a young lady who had been through that same pain and that same situation make a beeline to the other young woman and they began talking and half an hour later, I, I saw they had not come up for air. 
And I noticed when they left that there was a different look on that girl's face because when she left our house, she knew that she had someone who would walk alongside her on that journey who understood. God never wastes a hurt. And when you are in community with others, you will be able to help someone else out and someone will be able to help you out as well. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so we, we are better together than we are apart. It was James Clear who, who said it this way. He said, nothing sustains motivation better than belonging to the tribe. It transforms a personal quest into a shared one. And when you join a club or a band or a CrossFit group, there's a common goal. And so you are supporting one another to accomplish that. And some of you, you, you exercise or you run or you work out with a group. And because of your common commitment to, to stay in shape and your common commitment to making the rest of us look like losers, uh, you have found that you do better when you work out together. Remember that Kenyan proverb says, if, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, then go together. And I would say, if you want to go far with God in your life, then we've got to do it together. Reason number three, in community, you resemble the New Testament church. You know, Jesus set the example throughout his ministry. Jesus modeled the value of, of small groups. His closest friends were Peter, James, and John. They were in his inner circle. They were privy to more intimate insights. And the 12 disciples made up another tier of connected relationships and community. And then there was the, the 70. And then beyond that, there were the 120. Those were larger groups. And Christ was all about pouring into relationships and fostering others to do the same. And it wasn't just Christ who set the example. We read in the book of Acts about the early New Testament church and how they set the example for us as well. In fact, the book of Acts stresses their desire for community and, and to be together. In Acts chapter one, verse 14, it says they all joined together constantly in prayer. In Acts chapter two, verse one, they were all together in one place. In Acts chapter two, verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So they prayed, they, they took communion, they had fellowship, they devoted themselves. You know what that word devoted means? It literally means that you are attached. And so they attached themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's scripture, that's straight from God's word. And here at CCV, in our groups, we, we do the same thing. We pray, we, we fellowship, we study God's word. It allows us to go a, a little bit deeper and to discuss how, how these statements in the Bible affect our life right now, today, in 2023. In fact, if you're, you're in a group, then this week, Mark Moore has compiled a powerful, compelling top 10 list of why everyone, including atheists, should attend church. What are the benefits for everyone by going to church? Those are the type of discussions that happen when you are in community. We'll look back at Acts chapter two again in, in verses 44 through 47. It says, all the believers were together 
and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now in verse 42, when it talks about breaking bread together, it's actually referring to communion. In verse 46, where it talks about breaking bread in the homes, it's actually referring to eating meals together in groups. And I love this church for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons I love CCV is because you have food at every single campus. And that means that you can, yeah, that's something to get excited about, right? That means that if you bring someone with you, you, you could eat with them beforehand, you could eat with them afterwards, you could get to know other people if you're here by yourself. There's so many good things that happen around food. I was talking to a, a CCV member just a few days ago, and he was doing some volunteer construction work, and he, he told me he was gonna have to wrap things up and, and head home. I said, what do you got going tonight? He said, I got my CCV group tonight. He said, in, in, in fact, he said, I, I make dinner for them every time that we get together, and they all come 45 minutes before we start, and we eat a meal together. And some of you are thinking, hey, that is the perfect group for me, right? <laughs> Ryan loves to cook, I love to eat. This is a perfect match, right? But Ryan told me that it is around the table. He said it's during the meal when real life happens. And evidently the early Christians figured that out too, that they were better together than they were apart. And all over the neighborhoods of Jerusalem, they met together in people's homes. It says they met daily. This was a tight-knit, close community. And fellowship breeds closeness. It elicits laughter and joy. In community, you give and you receive encouragement. It's a spiritual pep rally for you in your walk with Christ. You see, in community, you look more like God in community, you have others that are beside you. In community, you look more like the New Testament church. And reason number four, in community, we can spiritually spur or mutually motivate each other. We can accomplish more when we are together than if we were apart. Did you know that the Journal of the American Medical Association discovered that when it comes to fighting the common cold, that those with strong emotional connections did four times better fighting off illness than those who were isolated. And there's a whole body of research that shows that people who have strong support systems are much healthier than those who don't. In fact, I, I even hesitate to say this to you, but here it goes. People who have bad health habits but have strong social ties live longer than people who have great health habits but are isolated. Let me say it another way. It's better to eat cake pops with your friends than to eat broccoli by yourself. All right. that's, that's the first amen I've ever received. Thank you. Uh, 59 times in the New Testament <laughs> the phrase one another occurs Love one another, confront one another, pray for one another, serve one another, encourage one another, forgive one another, admonish one another, accept one another. 
Those are all things that can only happen when you are in community with one another. And COVID made it simpler for Satan to isolate us from one another. And we have seen how that has affected us in the past years. But we need each other. And Satan wants us to think, oh, well, you're supposed to be independent. No, you weren't created that way. We're in a loneliness pandemic and isolation is wreaking havoc. We have tons of friends on social media, tons of followers and acquaintances, but how many people do you do life with? How many people know of your struggles? And perhaps getting involved in a group, being in community with other believers could cause that loneliness to be replaced by a sense that, hey, we're all in this together. And my experience has been that people usually drift away from their community of faith before they drift away from faith. Just think for, just think for a minute of some of the benefits. People who, who celebrate with you, people who grieve with you. Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. In community, we have accountability. Now, on the surface, we hear that word accountability, and we're like, oh, I, you know, I think that's bad. I don't, I don't know that I want accountability. But when you stop and think about it, it's actually extremely healthy for you. It helps us to work a, a full work day. Accountability keeps us from making foolish decisions. It protects our family from being splintered. It provides positive peer pressure. Hebrews chapter 10, the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, he said, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now that word, in encouraging one another, you know what the word encourage means? It literally means to put courage into someone else. That's what happens in community. That's what happens in group. We need each other. Anyone else need a little courage put into them in these trying times? It's not easy being a Christian in 2023, but can I tell you something that you already know? It's not going to get easier. But it becomes more bearable and fulfilling if you have others beside you. And I would just challenge you. I would just challenge you that if you're not in a, in a, in a group like that, in connection with others, then get into a group. We all need a group. We have 12,605 people here at CCV who are involved in community in, in some group. That's about one-third of our weekend attendance. And that number is a barometer of the health of a church. And we would love for that percentage to grow toward being about half of CCV involved in, in these hundreds of communities. Now, to be clear, CCV is, is a great church, but to be honest, we know she is not a perfect church because we are imperfect people and we have imperfect leaders. And we understand that when you have a whole lot of imperfection, you're going to have a dysfunctional family at times. In other words, there, 
there are plenty of cousin Eddies at every CCV campus. <laughs> and, and I know that there are a few of you who are thinking, well, I've been involved here for five years and I don't know any cousin Eddies. I hate to break it to you. Uh, you're cousin Eddie, all right? It, it's you. It's, it's always been you, all right? But that's part of being a, a family, right? It's being together even in the midst of our craziness. And Pastor Gene Apple says, the church isn't consumers shopping for what we want. We are a family building community together. You ever been driving alone during rush hour and you're creeping along? Sometimes when I fly into Phoenix, you know, I'll, I'll wish my wife was with me if she didn't make it on that trip. But then when I get on the interstate, I really wish that she was with me, right? Because I could be over in that fast lane, in that HOV lane. You ever been riding in the, you know, the turtle lane with me? And, uh, you know, you're all by yourself. And then you glance over to your left in the HOV lane. And you see this car just go speeding past. But you go, hey, wait a second. That, that guy was all alone. He didn't have anybody riding with him. Because you saw real quickly that all he did was he had some, something in the passenger seat. He had a coat filled with old clothes. And he put a yellow balloon on top and he strapped it in. So that when it went past the cameras, it would appear as if he was in community. When in reality, he was just faking it and he was just going it alone. In a church, especially a, a large one like CCV, it is easier to stay with the large circle and worship, and to avoid the small one in groups. You don't want to take the risk of sharing life with a, a group of others for fear that they, they might actually learn of your weaknesses and your struggles, your doubts and your fears. May I just lovingly say to you that some of you have been attending CCV for years, and spiritually speaking, you have been faking your way down the HOV lane, trying to give others the impression that you are in community when really all you're in is a crowd. And I want you to be in worship at one of our campuses every weekend. I promise you, God will, will show up. I commend so many of you all who are saying, I'm gonna take Ashley up on that challenge. I'm gonna be here every weekend in, July, in January, every weekend in February. And thank you for making that commitment. But if, if, if that's where it stops, it's just at worship, then I, you're missing out on so much. I mean, right now you are in a row, right? What's, what's the only thing you can see about the person in front of you? All you can see is the back of their head, right? And looking at the back of someone's head, that really doesn't foster community. I mean, I've never been sitting in church and thought, you know what, hey, he's got a bald spot, I got a bald spot. I wonder if he'd like to get together this week and have breakfast and I could tell him all my doubts and all my fears and all my dreams. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen like that. In rows... We come together for God's word. It's like gathering to hear the vision and, and to hear the battle plan. But listen to me. In rows, we receive inspiration and information. But in community, you experience transformation. Something happens when you are face to face and not side to side. And here at CCV, you've heard us say, community doesn't happen in rows. It takes place in circles. Let me give you an example. 
few years ago, it was a Wednesday night, our community group was meet, meeting at our home. I was teaching on Christ's love, and uh, I came to a point in the lesson where I just said, hey, uh, why don't one of you all just share with me an example of Christ's unconditional love? And there was a pause and silence, and well, that didn't throw me off. I just was going to wait it out. And nothing happened. It was very quiet. So then I reworded the question. I came at it from another side and said, you know, how, how about an example of, of unconditional love this way? There was nothing. Crickets. Until finally I just kept waiting and a young woman in her mid-20s spoke up. She'd only been in the group for about a month. She was so sweet. I, I didn't know much about her except her name. And I knew she drove a, a BMW each week. And that's... We all thought in the group that was a pretty cool car that she had. And she said, well, she said, a couple of years ago, I was near downtown and a couple parked their car and they walked a block away to a nice restaurant and they saw me and they said hello. But after their meal, they came back out of the restaurant and they just started looking around for me and they found me again. She said, I... I was homeless at the time. And they saw me. They saw where I had been sleeping under an interstate overpass for over a week. They had brought me some food from the restaurant. The next day they came back. They invited me to live in their home. They helped me get back on my feet. They helped me find a job. Eventually, after a number of months, they, they sold me their used BMW for cheap. And this Christian couple, they just accepted me in. And then she looked at me, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, would that count for unconditional love? I said, yeah, I think that counts. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like, it was like a switch had been flipped in our group. And from that moment on, and from that week on, our group shared their struggles and their challenges, and they didn't hold back. And we were a tighter group than we had ever been because of her vulnerability and her transparency, and it brought all of us closer. Some things happen in circles that could never happen in a row. And if you hear anything today, hear this. There's a group near you and for you. We have three types of, of groups here at CCV. We have community groups. Those are driven more by proximity or location close, close to you. There are topical groups. They might be studies on marriage or on parenting or on, on finances. There are activity groups. This is, is getting into God's word around a common activity that you like. Maybe it's hiking, but it's, it's getting into God's word. So let me just lead you through the process of how easy it is to find a group. You just go to the CCV mobile app. Down at the bottom of the app, like so many pages that you're on, it has a little line there that says more. It has three dots. All you do is you click on that word more. And then it says you can select uh, find a group. And you click on find a group. And this will open up all sorts of groups at the bottom of, of the group finder. And you can change the filters to the preferred day of the week. Maybe you can only get together on Monday night or on Thursday morning. Will you look for what might fit with you? You can look for a preferred audience. Maybe one that's kid friendly or maybe one that doesn't have kids. Maybe one for singles. Maybe one for men. Maybe one for women. 
You can put in key words and, 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 and do a search. And if you feel that you are that rare person who is more technologically challenged than even I am, then all you need to do is just send a text, text the word groups to 72020. 72020. And we'll just send you a link and make it easier for you. Now, I know, I know what some of you are thinking. You think, well, you know, I mean, Dave, thank you. Appreciate your coming. Thanks a lot. Uh, I'm swamped. I, I, I don't really have the time right now to add something to my plate. Well, I just want you to know that this will, this will give life to you. It won't siphon life from you. I mean, what have you got to lose? Maybe you do need to take something off of your plate so that you can do this. I'm telling you, it's worth it. Because when this life is over, what will matter is your relationship with Christ and with others. Nothing would make God happier and nothing would be of greater reward to you than, than for you to connect to Jesus and to others. And community and connection is what we're created for. It's what our souls long for. And we, we want to be all in. And we've spent five weeks challenging you to be all in, and all in in five critical areas of, of commitment. You've been invited. No matter who you are, you matter to God. You're indispensable. We, we need you serving and using your God-given gifts. You're influential. You have a testimony that no one can refute. You're invested. By that I mean you are being intentional about you're giving in order to advance the mission of this church and to share the gospel. And you're in community acknowledging that we will grow closer to one another in circles more so than in rows. You may have seen the Christian movie that came out in 2015 called Woodlawn. It starred John Voigt, Caleb Castillo from NCIS, uh, Sean Astin, better known as Rudy, and Woodlawn was set in the early 1970s when integration and busing became prevalent. And there was so much violence at Woodlawn High School that the FBI wanted to close down the school. And the movie chronicles the true story of what took place in 1973 during that time of racial tension when there was a Fellowship of Christian Athletes chaplain. He's played by Sean Astin. And early in the season, he speaks to the Woodlawn high school football team. And he, he shares the gospel with all of these players. And in one day, after one message, nearly every single one of them made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And it sparks a spiritual revival in Woodlawn High School and also with their arch rivals and also in the city of Birmingham. I had the chance while they were filming to get to meet that chaplain in real life. His name is actually Hank Irwin. And he shared a number of stories in the time we spent together that day, but I want to share one story with you today. He said, after 95% of the team made that commitment to be Christ followers, they dedicated their season to Jesus Christ. He said, the very next game, we were overmatched. We were playing against a team, and we were a five-touchdown underdog, and it was an away game. He said, but Dave, with two minutes left in the game, we were up three to nothing. It was a defensive struggle. He said, but in the final two minutes, Inslee High School came down. They mounted a methodical touchdown drive, and they beat us seven to three on the last play. He said, we got back on our bus. It was the quietest bus, 
I've ever been on in my life. He said, I was seated right there next to Tandy Gerald. He was the head coach. We were driving back in silence back to Woodlawn High School and Tandy Gerald was one of the few who had not made a decision for Christ. And he elbowed me and he sarcastically said, well, you better say something to these players because they were convinced that if they chose God, he was gonna give them the victory. And Hank told me, he said, I got up and I turned around and I stood up in that front row and I said, hey, he said, I just want you guys to know something. He said, sometimes God tests us and he gives us challenges to find out whether or not our motivation for making a decision was right, was true, was pure. He said, so you need to know that if you chose Jesus Christ because you thought he was just gonna give you wins or you thought he was some type of a genie or you thought he was just a good luck charm for you, then you were mistaken. He said, so you need to decide right here and right now whether you are going to worship Jesus, whether you win or whether you lose. And he said, you need to make that decision before you get off of this bus. He said, he stared down these lonely rows in silence for about 20 seconds. He said, finally, from the back of the bus, one kid said, I'm still in. And then another kid on the other side said, I'm still in. In a matter of minutes, more and more chimed in until finally the entire bus was chanting, we're still in, we're still in, we're still in. And Hank Irwin said to me, God used those student athletes in incredible ways to spread the gospel for the next two years. And God can use you too. And we've spent five weeks stressing that we want you all in. And each and every one of you, you fall into different categories. Some of you have been through the storms of life and you are so sold out to Christ. Regardless of whatever you encounter, you're in. Some of you have never gone all in with Christ. And it's time for you to accept his invitation and say, I'll use my influence to invite others to be all in. I'm ready to serve, I'm ready to give, I'm ready to deepen in community with other believers. But there are many of you who are in a difficult season or maybe you find yourself in a challenging time. Maybe it's a new business you've started. Maybe it's a family crisis. Perhaps your faith is being mocked in the workplace 40 hours a week. Maybe the devil has disillusioned you due to a diagnosis or depression or a divorce. Oh, you've walked with Christ for weeks or for years, but right now, in this season, you have some doubts and you think that the Almighty may be asleep at the wheel. I mean, how else do you explain how tough your life has been? And so CCV, for those of you who are believers, who are going through a difficult time, a time of temptation, a time of testing, a time of trial, I have a question for you. Are you in? Are you still in? Are you all in? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm, I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't go halfway. He didn't start heading to the cross and say, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm so thankful that he stayed on the cross when he could have come down from the cross. He had that power. 
but he, he knew what we realize as Christ followers, that nails don't hold God's to trees, but love does, and on that day, love did. So Lord, may we follow his example, and may we be all in. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.